all of a sudden I woke up and I was under the truck. And then I felt something rocking heavy and it can't rocked on my right arm, on my elbow, and I passed out again. Hello, my name is Jeffrey and welcome to the very first What We Learn podcast. Over the years, I've run across people with amazing life stories. Every time I hear one of these stories, I tell them, you should write a book. They usually chuckle and say, maybe someday. But more often than not, someday never comes, and those stories are lost forever. I ask myself all the time, why am I here? Why are any of us here? And what got me to this point in time? One small moment in time can change everything, and in my history alone, I've dodged several bullets, figuratively and literally. For our very first podcast episode, we're interviewing my grandpa John. These stories are about ordinary people, but sometimes the stories themselves aren't so ordinary. So without further delay, I'll have my brother Aaron take it from here for the very first episode of the What We Learn podcast. But you know, I was finding out a very curious thing, that animals don't show as much fear as I believe a lot of human beings do, unless they have learned to be afraid about something. And if you watched them, it was kind of interesting to see that take place as a kid. So I can understand Dick's concept. I suppose that's kind of like when you go into a uh, into like an animal reserve, the animals tend to be a lot more docile, and you can get close to them. Yeah, because they don't, they don't have... They're uh, used to humans. In that area, they're used to that, and they're used to that uh, area. And by the way, sometimes people get the idea that those same animals will go somewhere else. And... Um, Yellowstone is a perfect They'll keep example. doing the same thing. Yeah. But that isn't true from what I've seen. So they, can, so they can change. Huh? So they well, change. they can think. Yeah. And they organize their thoughts. I, you know, not like we, but uh, it, they organize their thoughts. It's very obvious they do. Yeah. So. Well, I was, I, when you were talking about being in the woods, it was reminding me of a conversation that we had I don't know, when I was here a couple times ago, and I think you brought up the the fact of uh, perseverance and keeping people motivated. I think maybe we were talking about employees, and oh. and you were talking about when we were young, growing up, yeah. we would go out into the woods and we would start these little projects, right? Like building a, a log cabin. I remember trying to build a log cabin out behind your house. And we'd be at it for a few hours, and and then we would start to fall off the wagon. We'd start to give up, and then you would show up, and all of a sudden it was like we were on board again. We were going to build this log cabin, right? Yeah, you know, watching the enthusiasm change, and well, I could see you'd be, oh, we're tired, you know, not sure. Yeah, but what if we do this? Let's get that log over there or whatever. And you know, I mean, I do remember that log. Thing. Uh, always, I uh, kind of wish it got up, got up higher, but as, then changing it after we got started because you say, "Well, that's not going to be right because the door will be in the wrong place." And but the enthusiasm as things would get poured on in a hurry, and even though it was bothering my health some, I would just I would love to see you guys. Uh, uh, you know, get all on fire about it and all of it excited. Hey, you know, we can get 
this much done today if we just let's just get with it you guys could soup it up <laughs> well it was it i always felt bad that we didn't finish it either but it was a life lesson right oh yeah the log cabin was a life lesson yeah just like so many things that happened out here in the woods right like bu uh. building trails building forts there was a whole lot of life lessons that we were learning that at the oh, time yeah. we didn't uh. realize we didn't realize that they were life lessons we just we just thought that we were having a good time, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, even uh, you you guys would have a real uh, great habit of, um, in a lot of ways, I'm better than I, in some ways than I was when I first got up here, and then I went through a better time, and now it's going back in the reverse area. But anyway, you come over to help. Oh, we're going to help you get wood. Into the into the woodshed, or you know, vice versa, up to the house, or whatever it is, and say, well, and I'd been not feeling well, so I'd go in, and you'd be out there, and I'd look, and I'd say, oh, they're really dragging. <laughs> <laughs> they they made the promise. Yeah. Now that's a life. That's a life thing. Made the promise, and yet they, you guys were getting enthusiasm was going away, and the excitement and. It was so fun to watch, you know, come out, and they'd see me, you'd see me, and then you'd turn around, and, and uh, uh, I'd say, well, let's, let's do this, and let's do this, and I'd just pour that on like crazy, just getting in the wheelbarrow, or however we were doing it, as we did with, you know, sleds and everything, and so uh, watch it, and all the excitement, wow, we're going to have the porch full in a little bit here, and <laughs> we can get this done. Totally change right back to where you started, or even beyond that. Yeah. And uh, hey, I think it's a business thing, Jeffrey. Yeah. That's why you get these business ideas. <laughs> so when you, I may have been what three, four years old when you guys moved up here onto the mountain. Probably so. I grandma's the one that remembers dates. I have I have vague memories of you guys coming in and the trailer being yeah. moved up here. And you guys moved out of the farmhouse, right? And straight up here from the farmhouse? Yeah, it's straight up here, but it took a year to move. Really? <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff. Uh, we just uh, stayed down there and kept, uh, kept the old house. And, you know, uh, you didn't have to worry, basically... We we kept uh, heat on in the place, but you know, it didn't have to be very high. But um, the it was water fed there, had gravity fed water to the house, and so you know you could lose electricity for a while. But hey, it's the way life is. What brought you to the conclusion to leave the farmhouse and come up here? Uh, my health. Okay. Yeah, I I. It was kind of the end of things. I knew I couldn't walk out of there in the winters. We had we had a area that a big cut that when you come down there, you know, come down the driveway, and you get an eight nine foot drift in there, and it would start build up higher, and it was like solid. It felt solid. You'd walk on it, it was great, but you didn't dare drive into it. You'd bury yourself. And even guys tried to bring a cat in from the upper side. And that was the worst mistake in the world. They had to leave it there all winter. <laughs> they couldn't get it any further. And, and yet it was sitting on rock. They couldn't move it. It just slid. It was too heavy. 
And so we'd wait for summer and then blow it out and shovel it out. And it was quite a job. But, you know, it was a good thing all those years of being down there. uh, I had to walk out. And the wind would blow so hard out there. That's why there would not be a drop of snow in the fields. And it would fill the cut in. Now, it would be great. You could drive on the fields. But only when they hadn't plowed. Because when they plowed, then you had these great big boulders because it would freeze hard as rock, and you couldn't drive on them. But otherwise, we could drive in the field and come right down close to the house and then just walk in from there. But otherwise, you'd have to go up there and actually, literally, if we would have stopped bending over into the wind, carrying stuff up to the car, because I'd have to leave a week at a time, and... If we weren't in a bent condition, oh, you would have fallen flat on your face. (laughs) And uh, it was unbelievable how much that wind was. But with my heart condition, it got to the point that I couldn't. She was trying to, Grandma was dragging everything out on a sled, and I was lucky to get myself up there. And so we knew that we had to, and uh, your mom and dad said, you better come up here. We need to work out something. That was a pretty long driveway, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, um, I can't remember, it was a third of a mile or something like that. And uh, yeah. uh, we got to get Jeffrey involved in this. Too, yeah, so. <laughs> we have to get Jeffrey <laughs> involved in this. If I remember the, right, there was a young man called Jeffrey <laughs> that was at the house, came down to the farmhouse, and uh, I, I actually cut in on, on, on his dad over a, a thing, which I didn't mean to do that. But he brought his bicycle down. <laughs> this is Jeffrey? This is Jeffrey. Okay. And we had a nice little hill that went down. And, he went, and I said, well, let's get on that and see what you can do. And he couldn't ride it. And, you know, if we got on the hill, I just stayed behind him. I had my hand on there. And finally, I was running alongside him, and I didn't have my hand on it anymore. And he was gone, and finally, I just stood there, and he went on down and almost made it to the bottom. And he fell off, and I thought, uh-oh, is this not going to work? <laughs> <laughs> no, he got off, but he was a little shaken, okay? But he was all excited. Oh, oh, you know, I did it. I did it. And so he took his bike up in a hurry. He wanted to try again. Yeah. And so it was interesting to watch because as he went down the next time, he did fall down again, but it was on that nice pasture that was down there at the uh, when it was green and, and down at the old barn down below. And he just made it out in there, and he tried to make a turn, and that didn't work. <laughs> But he did it right away. He did it right away. What's your What's your fondest memory of the farmhouse? Do you have a fondest memory of of? It well, was a bit of a homestead, wasn't it? It was a homestead situation. It sure yeah, felt like it that. was an old old house. It was actually it's in uh, it's historical records. It was an early house there, one of the earliest cabins in the area. 
uh, had been built out there about 300 uh, yards, I believe it was, from there. The reason is there were springs there on the higher end of the hill, and you could build down below, and you would have had water flow. And uh, a, finally, a little community kind of built up around that area. It's just north of Latah, and this little house became a stage stop. It wasn't a house. It was a little building there, and it came a stage stop. If you would step back in a certain location on the house, and you would step back a ways, and you look at the windows, the four sets of windows, it looks like an old movie house, one that you would look at and you'd say, that's an old building from a movie. And it, it had been a stage stop. It had been a school, uh, a post office, and a schoolhouse. Hmm. It was two-story. Yeah. And it actually, on the other side of it, uh, toward the uh, barn that was up on the other little ridge there, a great big old barn. Um, there was that side of the house up above. You look up there, and there was a piece of board there and a hole through the roof. And I got up and looked at that, and I said, I know what that is. That's a flag mount. Then all of a sudden, I realized, I realized what that, uh, what that um, mount was. Yeah. And I realized, then I went to one of the sheds because I said, I think the old flagpole is here. And I went down and I found this pole perfectly shaped and there it went up, it slanted and it was really neat. And I found that and it was exactly, I took a measuring tape, I never went up and put it in. And I took a measuring tape and it exactly would fit in those holes. And so you would have been able to drop it down there. Now, how they put it up and how they put a flag up, there was no no hooks on the end of it, so there was probably some way that they had to do that. But um, uh, it was kind of interesting. From that roof, if you were up on the top, I took a, um, a sight, or it's a, a little thing you sight with, has crosshairs in it, so that it's got a level in it, so you can tell when you're straight across looking at something. And I looked over to where our water spring was and where our water came from, and the spring was just a little higher than the top of that roof. Not a lot. It wasn't that awful far away, but it was high enough with a little container uh, for the water. It wasn't very big. It wasn't like hundreds of gallons, it might have been 30, maybe 20, not very much in there, and then out of one end, and it kind of let anything settle, if any bad water come. And it would, um, we'd take and, uh, you could take a look, and it would, the water would flow down there. And it was good enough that you've seen these little uh, sprinklers that look like a tractor with the long arms and they spin, it would take and run that thing and drag that hose across the lawn. It had that much power coming down just from that short distance. Just as a free-flow system. Just as a free-flow system. Yeah. <laughs> in the old kitchen, hey, yeah. you came in the, in the old kitchen, 
and it had a wood stove over in the corner. We had got one, and we put one in the corner. And it really fit the old house. The floor wasn't even. <laughs> you got underneath, and um, I uh, don't know that Jeffrey did, ever did it, but I know that, uh, that Lance... Uh, crawled underneath our son. He crawled underneath and went around, and we were checking for holes in, between the concrete foundation they had put in years and years later. And this house was supported by big old trees that it was still, they'd carved off a little bit of one side, made it flat, and that's how it was supported. And it was just sitting on that. Wow. Yeah, just unbelievable, the stuff. Uh, but I lived in a house in Walla Walla that was the same way on Tusha Street. And um, it, uh, if you went down, there was a partial basement. And if you went through one hole, you could get into the other, other section under the house. And you would see great big, huge timbers. They were trees that they had just hewn off part of one side and set it, and then part of an sides on each end where it would be supported, and that's how it was supported. So, so you, you know. grew up in Walla Walla then? Grew up basically in Walla Walla. It was actually slapped into this world by Dr. Potts in Walla Walla and, uh, uh, quite a few years ago in the general hospital when it existed there in Walla Walla. And he slapped me into existence there. <laughs> yeah. So how many years, when did you leave Walla Walla? Ah, let's see. We left Walla Walla and went to Fairfield when I was about, um, what, 17? Okay. And somewhere in there, 16, 17, late, later. And I, I, we arrived there. I was not doing real well. But anyway, they moved us there. And my mother went to work in Fairfield in the clinic as a um, person that met people at the desk and also worked on the books there. But she was a bookkeeper. Yeah. And so she had been a bookkeeper in uh, Crofts Flowers in Walla Walla for years and years. And because of the Sabbath issue, even though she was working from six to six, and when she started, they had 13 accounts, and she did the books. When she, had le when she left, they had over 8,000 accounts, and she was handling all the books. When uh, they felt that she needed to come in on Saturdays, too, and she said, I won't do that. Anyway, uh, they had to send out half the work and hire two full-time bookkeepers on top of it, so it was a big, inv good investment for them, they thought. <laughs> anyway, she had this opportunity, Dr. Potts' office. She was over there to do something, and she walked in, and she says, Bessie, I hear that was my mother's name. She says, I hear you uh, are not uh, working there anymore. She says, you're out of a job. And she says, I know where there's a good job, and you're just the person for it. And it was in Fairfield working for these doctors, and they were looking for somebody at that time. And so we drove up to take a look at it. Once they said, oh, yes, come up. So we drove up there, 
We didn't know how we were going to do it because Bob didn't have the money. And just a single mom, two kids, sister and I. And so we drove up there. And we all said, no, we don't want to move here. Every tree in town, except in one place, there was no trees. There was no forest. We had huge pine trees there. All of them were dried up. There was a terrible drought going on. And even the needles, there wasn't a green tree, except one house had a green lawn and had green trees. And they said the reason is there's a spring in his backyard and it, he's got enough water he can keep it keep it up. But there was enough water. For the community, there was enough water, but no lawns were allowed to be. Well, we didn't feel like we wanted to move there. It looked horrid. <laughs> it looked horrid. But anyway, they moved us, actually moved us there physically. The people from the office and the church, they came down and moved us up there. It was a mission project started by Dr. Hart and his brother, I believe, is president of uh, Loma Linda today. Oh, really? Okay. Do you remember the first job that you had? The first job? Yeah. <laughs> do we do we have any any memory of the first job that you had? Well, I had a lot of jobs, at, but actually, I think the first jobs I had were actually around the house. Of course, I had we had duties we had to do. Uh, my sister and I had to actually do the cleaning of the house, and uh, we washed the dishes. There were no dishwashers except you, uh, unless you owned a restaurant. <laughs> and then there still was people. They had to load them and take them out, and they had to get all the stuff on before they put them in. Uh, it was a lot more complicated. But we did all of that at the house. There was no... Um, allowance for that to begin with. But then mom decided that we need to learn to keep books. So she decided we should get an allowance. So they decided to give us 25 cents a week. So that was our allowance. And we divided that up, paid her tithe and a little bit of offering. We set that. We had to do a book. And uh, it was a little tablet. Mom set it all up and we had to keep track of it. We had to keep track of our spending, what we were going to spend this on. It was going to be candy at the store or whatever. And, of course, you could buy a lot of candy for a couple of cents. And uh, that's pretty been a pretty bad deal. That's been a lifelong skill, hasn't it? <laughs> keeping, keeping books? Yeah, well, it has kept me. I'm very glad that it had to do it because it helped me when I got to business on my own. And our first business on my own was uh, doing lawns for people. And I just started doing that kind of thing. And um, it grew. People say, oh, Johnny, you're doing that lawn. Can you come over and do mine? And it happened in the neighborhood to begin with. And then it expanded because one big, um, big um, landscaping outfit uh, wanted to hire me. And so I went to work for him, and I think the boss wanted to see what I would do if I was on my own. Uh, he didn't tell me what they were really up to. I can't remember the name of the place. Um, they were quite well-known in the community, and their family was well-known. 
But anyway, they were a very large landscaping outfit. And so I worked there, and they left me on a job site one day. And I, but they had told me what the plan was with they were landscaping a back lawn, and it was new. No lawn in yet. And they said, we're going to slope this off this way and slope this off this direction and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's got to go this way and that. And you're going to work on getting those rocks all picked up and piling them over there. So I was scooping up all the rocks and picking them up and getting them piled over. They hadn't showed up. So I got a rake out and I started dragging off the big humps and leveling areas. And I said, oh, that doesn't look right. And so I started dragging that over like this and dragging that over like, but I had learned that already from people I had worked with. I had had a good fortune of working with a man, and I can't remember which Scandinavian country, I think it was Denmark, that his, his boss was the queen. And he was the head rose gardener. And he'd done such a good job of doing roses. Therefore, she brought him in to, uh, not only to compliment him, but offer him what would you like? I'd like to give you your wish. Now, that was very open-ended. And it isn't that he didn't like the queen. He did, and he liked his job. Uh, but he had one wish, and that would, could be that he could come to America. Well, he had to have a sponsor. And it just so happened, the Crofts Flowers, which I also worked for, uh, out at their greenhouses and on their own lawns, um, they hired. They were the ones that became his sponsor, and so I learned some tricks that I'd never heard before: how to keep a lawn going when you have very little water, when to mow it, and when not to mow it, and and he explained why, and once he did, it made sense. And then it, I started applying it everywhere else. I learned several things from him. It was very beneficial to me later. But back to the story level on this all out, I got it leveled out. And it was pretty good. And I kept looking at different angles. And I said, I'm not sure they wanted that way, so I won't move that yet. Anyway, they showed up. And they said, wow, picking up the rocks wouldn't have done this to this place. <laughs> and did you do this, Johnny? <laughs> I was Johnny then. That's what happens when you're young. And uh, I said, well, yeah, I thought there's, that's, you said you want this to roll down and so it'll be easy to mow. And, and he said, yeah. And uh, he said, okay, how did you do that? I said, well, I used that particular rake over there, which I have one of those today. And I think you've seen it. It's a, a kind of a curved rake and it's solid, but it has some little teeth at the bottom. And it's got one tooth broke off. It makes me a little nervous. You can drag gravel with it and that level. And yet, if you push back the other way, it will rise up on this stuff. And it's actually for cleaning out uh, dead grass and stuff out of your lawn. And so you can rake it out. And we used to do that. I had to mow the lawn twice and rake it in between and then rake it again afterward and collect all that and pile it next to the road, and it would be picked up by the garbage people every week. So I, that was my, one of my jobs that I had to do, and weed in flower, the flower beds. And so... Um, so you worked your own job for a while. You're, 
Yep. And then and then you got hired on by this company? Well, that's what he was going to do. And he says, what I really want you for is we keep getting the calls by the people that just want us to mow a lawn. They don't want the fancy work. They just want somebody to mow a lawn. So we'd like to pass those calls to you. So I got those calls. And then they checked on me a couple times with the clients. They never... I don't know that he ever drove by them, but he would check with the clients, is everything fine? And that's exactly what got me into doing more expensive jobs. And he reminded me that you're going to charge this amount, at least. And uh, I had never charged those kind of fees at all. You could do a whole lawn for 50 cents. And now I was doing a whole lawn for three, four dollars, three seventy-five, three fifty, and that was a lot of money. Kids work around town, seventy-five cents a dollar was extreme. Fifty cents, seventy cents uh, was not unusual, and so uh, I got to the point that I had so much work going on that other kids would say, "Well, look, I, can you give me some work?" Well, I I was. I had learned some lessons about from the man from Denmark. He said the big thing is that things not only have to be good for the plant, but in making it good for the plant, it will be good for the people. They will like it because it will be clean. It will be neat. It will not be confined. The plant will not be confined. And, you know, even in the forest here, Trees are confined, they start dropping those branches, and they go higher and higher, and the green's up on top. And, of course, we got a lot of dead, and that drops. And that, But the trees that are near the edge of the forest, one side especially, has a heavy layer all the way down, or quite a ways down, of, of green uh, branches coming out. No matter what kind it is, it's usually that way. And so I learned those things. So I would trim a certain amount of the house, no matter what, the walkway going in and up around their stepway. If they paid me for trimming, I trimmed everything because I did it with an old hand clipper. And <clears throat> I didn't use the modern ones they had that would that you could grab and squeeze up and down. They're, the old hand clippers that I used were regular sheep shears the reason is you could really sharpen them up like a razor and let me tell you did they cut quick and fast and you didn't have all these follow-ups by the times all these people were messing with the other (laughs) snippers i'd be done so you're on your knees with sheep shears crawling around (laughs) trimming the grass (laughs) yeah well hopefully i'd go fast enough that i that I could not be on my knees. I see, yeah. But I let these kids go to work for me on one room. I'll collect, and I'd have them go over and say, how much will you do the lawn for? And I said, now, I'm, I, I want you to make sure you do this extra little trimming because you're doing it for me. What I didn't really learn, uh, realize, all of these things are life life training things for your future life. 
And one of the things I found is that if you're going to do this and you please them, then they're happy and you're happy because you got and you get paid for it. And sometimes they give me a tip. You make it. They'd walk out the door and they said, I don't understand. Why does, when you mow a lawn, it looks so much better. We don't know why. They're just mowing the lawn. And I didn't tell them what it was, but I did do that little bit of trimming and it kind of dressed it up. It's kind of like not going with your shirt all ruffled. Your shirt is nice and neat. And then people think, you're nice and neat. <laughs> it's the same thing. So so you've got other kids working for you in the neighborhood? Yes. And and so when they did, I'd say, okay, now you'll get paid after I come and look it over. Otherwise, you don't get paid at all. <laughs> I learned those lessons. Yeah, I got I had to deal with that myself. And so because of some of the hardships you get. We didn't have money, and I was thankful. Although, as a kid, I knew a boy down the street. His father was a dentist, and he wasn't just a dentist. He has a, had a big clinic. And this kid had anything he desired. And he was always touting it to us kids around the neighborhood. So when my brother Jim would build us stilts, and my sister, Kathy, he built wood stilts for us, which got us about two feet off the ground. He had some that went about eight feet off the ground. And we envied that. He way up in the air. He really got a kick. He had to get on the roof to get on him. And, but Kathy, my little sister, she um, had stilts too. And he came up with the idea, she needs stilts too, but she needs one she can not fall over with. So she, he took the big uh, 64 ounce, I think they are, they're big juice cans, huge juice cans, and took the openers we had then that you bent them over and they would cut us V-slot in them. And, and then he run a wire through it then pull a string through it. It was heavy, wouldn't get cut easily. And then have it so that she could grab that wire in a loop and walk along and keep the cans on her feet. And she could walk with her hands and walk on the cans. And that was so, after all, they were, you know, maybe uh, 10 inches above the ground for her. That was really something, you know, when you're not very old. <laughs> so he did that. Well, the little rich kid, we call him, he was a nice boy, uh, but he was always touting his, his uh, all that, oh, I have other, this, you guys can't do this, you know. But, you know, I don't blame him for it. It's just the way he grew up. And he'd come down and say, my dad said he'll pay you if you make him a pair of cells. He said, well, you just, you can buy the board. And he would take a tube of horse, split it in half, and then make silts out of it. And uh, we had a little shop downstairs, and and you could you know run it through the t table saw and do that. So all the kids in 
that neighborhood had stilts, <laughs> and they were did that. And your brother was making them for them. He was making them for. Would them. they pay him? Yeah, well, some of them. Sometimes the parents would give him a little for doing it, but he they'd pay for the material to do it. Yeah, and so it was kind of neat. But he he didn't. We didn't stop at that. Uh, I never ran around with my cousins and stuff, but I never, I never um, had a lot of close friends in the neighborhood, one or two, but uh, there were some older boys came in the area. Oh, I almost thought of their name. Um, but anyway, they, they were quite a bit older than I was, and um, they decided, they said, oh, you want to have a really fun thing to ride. He said, uh, we ride trikes too. Now, these were teenagers in high school. And they said they ride trikes. And I thought, what are you guys riding trikes for? Oh, we'll show you. So they showed us a trike. And today you buy them uh, like this. But they take. he took the front wheels off, the front wheel of it, and then ran it through the bike the other direction. He flipped it over, so instead of the curvature of where the seat was going up, it went down. And you've seen these where they, you know, and you're sitting down on it. Well, there was no seats. So we'd get a burlap bag. By the way, a lot of people don't know what a burlap bag is, but <laughs> we got potatoes and all kinds of stuff in it. But it's very heavy, heavy corded type of uh uh, uh, material it's made out of, quite strong. And we'd fold them up, sometimes a couple of them, uh, matter not how much padding we had of our own, and us kids were pretty skinny. And so we'd fold them up, and you'd sit down in there, and we'd race around there like we had motorcycles, you know. And these kids had big ones that they had done the same thing with. Well, it wasn't long. Other kids... And the neighborhood comes and said, can you do that to our trike? And we say, well, not without your parents' permission. <laughs> so that, hey, we did all those little fun things growing up. You made things out of what you had. And uh, it was a lot of fun uh, growing up and doing this. Oh, got to tell you one other thing. One thing I really liked, we had a little chihuahua. His name was, his name was uh, Tiny. She <laughs> was, yeah, Tiny was Tiny. And she had almost died. I didn't know her at that time, but she had almost died. She was old when I was young. And, uh, and a great big dog had come out and literally bit out a big chunk out of, right out of her stomach area. She was bleeding really bad, and she would have died within a few uh, maybe a minute or so or more. And my mother grabbed the dog's stomach, held it as tight as she could in that area, grabbed that skin, and held it together with one hand. They rushed to the vet. The vet say, saved her, sewed her up, and she lived. <laughs> but after that, she had one of the most ferocious uh, appetites, you could believe, and we fed her friskies canned dog food. 
it was the hot thing on the television at the time. Those, not like the TVs today. Very big box. <laughs> Very big box. And we were, we actually were one of the first people that had a color television, but we brought it from California. And then there was no color television there. It was a, I can't remember the name of the station right now, but it came out of, out of Tri-Cities. And that's the only thing you could get. Anyway, so we sold it. We sold it back to Sears, where we had got it, and actually got, was able to trade it for a black and white. I think we didn't pay much difference. And it wasn't that old. It was maybe a few months as we'd moved back from uh, California. And so, um, anyway, we would, we would watch and, and do that stuff, and now I lost where I was going with it, started with this story. The, uh, the colored TV. Um... Trading in for the black and white. Oh, yeah, well, we traded it in for black and white and that kind of thing, but, uh, and, oh, and, of course, we got quite a few people that would come over to watch. The dog? The dog. That was it. Tiny. Yeah, Tiny. And so Tiny, she had, because of watching, that's how I got off on it, was watching TV. We fed her friskies in the canned dog food. Okay. So she was only supposed to get about a quarter of that a day. And... Somebody would feed her in the morning, and then somebody else would come home, and she'd whine and whine and whine, just like she had never been fed, and she was just starving, standing at the refrigerator, going back and forth, and, you know. So they'd feel sad and didn't want her to starve to death, and so they'd feed her. <laughs> and then it would happen again. Somebody else, <laughs> and they'd feed her. Well, one day it happened like that, and she went through that process, and and we looked all over the house. We didn't find her anywhere. Anyway, we were sitting in the front room when we heard, and we said, what is that? Well, she had a bed behind the oil stove in the, in the front room. That's how the house was seated. And... Went over to look. There was Tiny laying on her back with her feet up in the air, and she looked like a, a stuffed pig. She just was tight as a drum. Mom picked her up, and she was tight, literally. You would think her skin would bust. It was so tight. We all had to feel it. It was so tight. Anyway, she, she did live through it. We didn't know what to do. Didn't know whether we should give her an enema and <laughs> make her try to barf by sticking her finger down, but she might have bit us down her throat. Uh, anyway, I don't remember all of what they did to her, but anyway, she did survive. But she had that habit of trying to trick us. After that big incident that she did that, we kind of tried to remember Wait until everybody was back together before we fed her. She would not die. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a sympathy issue. Yeah. Now, this taught another one of those life things. 
if we don't learn that we have to go on. If we don't learn, we have to go on. We can, or stand up, it can be a real issue. It could be harmful for the dog, but our sympathies got so wrapped up in it. I see stuff going on today, and, and it bothers me. I said, where's people's thinking? Did they never learn any life issues? Yeah. Anyway. Sympathy is, so we're maybe a little too sympathetic? Is that a word? Well, I think we could have sympathy, but how do we apply it? Yeah. And I believe that's it, because I should maybe have sympathy for myself, even, at some times, in the right way. But I cannot let that control real life. Um, because I was responsible for those jobs... And I had learned that being responsible for them, it meant that I needed to be responsible. And I would show up. I made sure I showed up. I made sure of the job. I was kind of like, I was envied the postmaster. I mean, the postman we had. He had never been sick a day in his life. He wore short pants, came to bow to his knees, all summer and half the winter. He walked really briskly all the time, and everybody knew exactly when they were getting their mail. He was never more than 10 minutes off. It was really something else. And when the day came, he didn't show up. He didn't show up. Our mail didn't show up. And it didn't show up and didn't show up. And we usually got ours about the middle part of the day. And finally, a mailman showed up, which was not him. And we said, where's the mailman? And why is our mail so late? The reason it's so late is I'm having to tell everybody what's going on. And we understood. He said, this man has never been a sick a day in his life, never missed a day at work. When he met, the, he met the criteria, come rain or snow, the mail must go through. Now, it's, I'm not sure what, the, what it is today, <laughs> but I'm not sure that isn't come back to some of this responsibility issue. But you know, there were probably days he didn't feel as well as others, but he always showed up. Oh, by the way, he had appendicitis. He was having his appendix taken out. <laughs> he didn't die. <laughs> so, you know, I, those kind of things so inspired me. Yeah. He inspired me. Uh, I, liked, I liked how people thought about him. And I said, yeah, that's good. What's wrong with having people think well of you? But also you need to be aware if every man if everybody thinks to think well of you. Are you thinking properly? You know, are you carrying on? Are you willing to stand up for what needs to be taken care of? And I remember a neighbor lady, he was a retired 
uh, railroad guy. He had lived right behind us. Great people. They invited us, cute kids, before we had a television, to go over to their house and watch um, Wagon Train, I think it was, and two or three other programs. Mom said, okay, you can go over there. So we go over there. Watch with this old couple, especially the lady. Oh, and she thought Superman was real. She thought for sure he was going to stop at her house one day. Uh, so it was kind of a little disconnected there in spot. They were neat people. He was making, I, I got to finally see it. He was making a perpetual motion machine. He was uh, a person that worked with metal a lot when he worked on the railroad. And so he was making that. I knew he was working out there all the time, and his shop was right on his back porch. He had a big building out back, but he didn't do that. Matter of fact, us kids got to use a big building, and he says, you know, you kids need to build you something right up on our roof. I said, well, we don't want to take a lap. Oh, no, you don't have to. Just go through the door, and there's a... There's a, a stairway. Just go up that stairway, and it's open the door. You'll be, you'll be on the roof. So we ended up doing that. We actually built a little fort up there, and it was kind of neat. It was right on the corner, almost the corner of our place and his place. But anyway, we go over there. Every time we go over, we finally had to build a little ramp because the dog would whine and whine and whine at the door. And grandma would say she lived with us for a while. That was the easiest experience of my life. I learned a lot from her. Anyway, she got tired of it every time we were over there. And the lady, lady just loved Tiny, and she, Tiny would come up and jump on our laps and stay there all the time and watch television. Crazy dog. Little tiny dog sit there and watch the television. So we finally came up with a solution. And our bedroom window, we always left open. And she tried to jump out of there one time, but it was too too far down and she got hurt. So we just put a little ramp on it and she'd jump up on the window and run down the ramp. And next thing we knew, she'd scratch on their door. And so she'd go to the door and the little lady was just tickled to death. And then Tiny would come in and jump on our lounge. Every every Sunday is when that happened. It was really kind of cute. I mowed their lawn. And it was it was a tough lawn because we had a a wall around our place because our houses were higher there. The land was higher than the sidewalk. Then we had what they call a parking. Area. It's not where they park. It's just a section between it had grass. Now, one of the areas had a string of uh, black walnut trees there. And um, it, um, the black walnut trees, uh, if you know anything of black walnuts, they have a, a very big skin on the walnut. And uh, it's really messy stuff to step on. And it really can stain things in a hurry. And that has to come off if you're going to get at the walnut. And then you have a terrible time. You need almost a hammer you have to have to, and an anvil to crush those things. You do not use just a hand tool. 
They are too hard. But anyway, <clears throat> their lawn did not have a wall around it. It just sloped right down to the, and it was a very steep, uh, steep slope. And <clears throat> I had a power mower, and I was the power. <laughs> and it was a push mower, similar to the little push mower I've got over here. But it was not as narrow as that, and it was not the quality of that. Ours was called a chieftain, and they were known as the best lawnmower. They moved easier than the others, and they really cut well. I would have to drag that up the hill, get it just right, and then let it go down the hill, and it would cut on the way down. Then I'd have to drag it up the hill and do it down. Of course, I wasn't very big. I uh, was the uh, smallest kid in class. There was another John, and he was from Mountain Freewater, and he was the smallest kid in the class also. We were about the same height, so we got teased a lot. But because of that, we became a little bit friendly toward one another over because we were both say, receiving the same results. <laughs> <laughs> but life, I like it because of the fact they didn't have all the big roles. I would go out, I could start a business as a kid, and I think that's important. If you made a mistake on a customer's place, and they thought you did, uh, your mother heard about it, and you heard about it. <laughs> your mom or dad heard about it, and it made a big difference. And uh, it's not like, oh, we got punishment. Um, but you know what? I believe the scripture. I know that it's kind of hard for people to swallow it. I think you can be cruel about it. But I remember the last spanking I got. It was after I sassed my grandmother. And I was 14 years old. A little smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> anyway, I, I uh, sassed her. And Grandma just calmly said, I will be mentioning this to your mother. And that was it. I knew what that meant. I hadn't had seen a, uh, a strap for a long time, which is a belt, doubled over. And I never died. Uh, but I learned, and it was good for me. You know, uh, she got home. She was a little woman like my grandmother. And she said, now you can outrun me. You could probably take this strap away from me if you wanted to. But she says, it'll still be here when you get home. So, it's your decision when. So she allowed me to make the choice. I decided it was time to bend over the bed and take what I had coming she gave it to me. No, I didn't cry. I was the tough kid, you know, then. But you know something? I'm glad it happened because of the fact it taught me that respect is important and the police do have a right to enforce the laws. That's their job. Um... And it was the beginning of me finding out 
what's the difference between a country that's running by rules and a country that is not? Because I knew a home that it wasn't like that. I would not have wanted to grow up like that boy did that I knew. And I would not have wanted the results that came later in his life. And I I would not have, uh, he was involved in an accident at at the school, I mean at the uh, church that I went to. Uh, A bunch of us went to the mountains together with the Pathfinder leader. And, uh, And he was in there. But he was always causing, stirring up trouble. And, but there was somebody that always stood behind him to okay, it was okay to stand up for trouble. And it was his parents, especially his mother. I feel sorry for her too, because that meant she probably was that way and she didn't know what else to do. Uh, you could be, you begin to uh, look with that sympathy differently. In other words, just because somebody makes a wrong action, it doesn't make you non-sympathetic to them as an individual. After all, how did they grow up? But because of it, the pickup that we were in, and a lot of us were in the back of it, flipped over, and uh, several of us got hurt. One guy that was in the cab, his leg went through the windshield and was cut to the bone. Uh, another one, a big, tall guy, he, he kept fainting all the time. And then um, they thought they'd got everybody out from underneath the truck. One guy, that guy, it was one of them, he jumped when it was going over. So he, he just landed on his feet and walked away from him. And a lot of them, you know, got out of it okay. And then they were all around. They had went to look for a vehicle up the road as we were way up in the mountains, they had passed a farmhouse, so they were headed there for help. No cell phones, of course. And uh, they were headed there for help. And then all of a sudden, I woke up, and I was under the truck. And then I felt something rocking heavy, and it can't rock on my right arm, on my elbow, and I passed out again. And then after a bit, I woke up. I could still feel the rocking, and I then realized I needed to pull my arm up from underneath the cap, which could have been just as well my head. I feel God had blessed and kept us, probably basically for the sake of all of us to learn lessons, and uh, also the driver, to show God's grace and mercy to him. He had a very unusual story. You could read about him and his brother in the, the book called The Slave Boss Story. He almost killed them. And it wasn't that they weren't trying. Anyway, it's a very interesting story, but here he is, had become a Christian and because of a lot of situations. Anyway, it's a story you all want to read. And what's the name of the story again? The Slayball story. And don't ask me the spelling. I'm not a speller. <laughs> <laughs>
But you know, we re- they got a vehicle, and then I came crawling out while a lot of them were gone. I came crawling out, and they said, "Hey, somebody else is coming under there." They didn't realize they hadn't taken count because some of them had left right away. So a lot of them didn't even recognize who was what and who was out. Nobody really counted heads. Well, I crawled out. They got me over, and my arm was giving me a lot of pain. I had a what they call a car coat. It's a very, very heavy coat. I had two sweatshirts on, or two heavy bulk. Um, they call them... Um, bulky knit sweaters they're very bulky and knit it's a very large knit i had two of those on and a shirt it was very cold and anyway they got me over and said i had to hold on to my arm it really hurt if i didn't hold on to it and keep it bent and um, so i did that and then they drove up in a vehicle meantime the boys had pushed the truck the pickup uh been able to push it on it upside down to the side enough that it turn it and push it a little bit where a vehicle could get by it. They knew if they were coming from up, they, that's what would happen. And uh, anyway, they literally took the truck. If the man hadn't left the key in it, it wouldn't have been as easy. One of the men said, oh, I, a guys, the older guys, he said, I, we can hotwire it. I've done that on my grandpa's truck, so we know how to do it. But it had a key in it, so they just took it, and they said, if some people come by, just tell them, we've taken the truck. And they were they were tickled they did it when they found it. But we were a long ways out. They had to drive, and they came to into the into Dayton. Into Dayton. Uh, it was Sunday. And, of course, the doctor's office wasn't open, but we found it. It was right on Main Street, and because um, somebody knew where it was. And they said, oh, just right there. So they went up, and they found a phone number, case of emergency. And so they went and made a phone call, but they there was an address, and they went right over to it. And they went in, and he had people there and everything, and he told them the situation. We need to have you look at the voice. Oh, no, I'm not going to look at him. You just take him on it into Walla Walla, which was several miles. Well, he didn't know. There was something happened to the big guy, and he kept passing out. So we didn't know if something really bad was on. on the way. I was in the back. The one fellow that jumped, jammed his leg through the window, he was trying to help keep the other guy from passing out. We didn't know it was something to do with his arm or something, but we didn't know if something else was wrong. It was scaring the guy, and so he wanted this doctor to see him, at least check him over. And he said, no, just go on in. And then he, the man looked at him, the guy that was our Pathfinder leader. He said, I already went to, to uh, prison. I was in for uh, trying to kill a man. And that murder is lovely to happen today. If you don't go to the office, I am threatening you. And so he went to the office, and of course nothing was ever said about it because of the fact that he, that wasn't right, that he wouldn't do that. He, he had taken an oath to do that. 
And he went to the office. He said, no, I'm pretty sure everything's okay. It was very nice after that. I understand he didn't want to leave his company. He wasn't down there. You know, maybe it took 40 minutes of his time. So we raced all the way to the hospital. And, uh, yeah, the man went through a few lights. You know what? You can't find a cop when you need one. <laughs> we went to the whole whole town. We got all the way there to the hospital uh, without getting stopped at all. <laughs> and and they found out that the boy that kept passing out had a broken finger. The other guy that was cut to the other, they took him in. Mine, they x-rayed several times, and they said, your arm's just one huge arm's been crushed, and your arm is one huge huge blood blister from about your almost to your wrist to almost to your shoulder and they put me into a sling we all survived of course the young man was scared to death because he was on probation but you know it all got worked out but you know who was upset remember the boy the boy that jumped out of the truck mm. that actually created the problem that caused the truck to cause the driver to be distracted and 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 he made a turn a little too quick and it was slick needles. It was winter fall. Yeah. You know, damp road. You know what that's like. We live up here where that can be slick. And it flipped it. But that was the people that complained. And of course the church people said, Hey, back at home. Yeah. The rest of us weren't. But you know, there's a lot of adventures, but as I look back in them, I'm glad for the times of trial, and I'm glad for the people that I met, and I'm glad for those things because I learned a lot of things that helpful was helpful for me as I met because I didn't know my father, um, that I finally met the man that was my mentor in my life to help me grow spiritually, to grasp, and then all these things begin to fit together. They made sense. They begin to fit together. And I have to say, they hadn't fit together as well as they are now because of things I've learned more. But the Bible says more and more to the perfect day. That's our path we're on. And he's able to get us there. That's what he's promised. And I, you know, as a kid growing up, I wanted salvation. I wanted uh, things to happen in my life. And I would go up for altar call after altar call. That's what I wanted. But I couldn't seem to perform like I thought I needed to do. But I didn't understand. And now that I've become, oh, what freedom. Once you begin to understand and wake up and what God can do. But I look back and all the times I could have been killed. Going down the road 150 miles and 120 miles an hour in cars that would do those things and do it for hours. Why didn't we get killed? I look around and I see, and I say there has to be something. I know a friend of mine and I 
I'm jumping ahead a lot in years, but a friend of mine and I uh, were, did a lot of running around together. And I knew that had two praying mothers had to be for me and him, both single moms. And we haven't actually been the best kids in the world. And a day started, a conversation started one day that sent us apart. And I look back and I realized it was probably the good for both of us. And one said person, I don't know who started and which started the conversation, but I once said, uh, you know, I'm tired. And the other one said, I know what type tired it means. You mean. And the other one said, and you know what that means? The other one said, yeah, we can never see each other again. I walked out of his room. He was playing the guitar when all this took place. I seen him once on the other side of the room and waved at him. Oh, we had already planned what we were going to say to the kids because they all wanted us to get together for parties and other people, too, that got together. And it didn't mean that we weren't friends at all, but something had separated us. And I believe it was time. It wasn't too long after that that I ended up moving to that dry town <laughs> that I started this story with where we moved to Fairfield, and uh, we got there in that dry town. And that's the only time I ever seen that town that dry. <laughs> and that's a good thing. And uh, Now, there's a lot of stories in life, but you know, if you learn from the things as you go along, which you guys have, it's very important. It doesn't mean that we don't make terrible, terrible mistakes. I there's a lot of mistakes I've made that I would never talk about. And I thank God he says he buries them and they'll never be never be brought up. Oh, wow. What a guy. They can do that. I know I've sat with cousins and we've said, yeah, there's things we're just not going to ever talk about. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like we were super bad kids or something when you compare it with around about you, or you even look today, it's getting worse in a lot of ways. But a lot of it's just, what's going on? I mean, how many of us have learned the little life things along the road, mm -hmm. or had any mentor at all? Yeah. And if you have these little mentors in your life, uh, the main mentor that come in, but I've seen a lot, mm -hmm. I thought, one teacher I had in school, I couldn't understand. He wrote many of our textbooks, Bible textbooks, uh, for schools all over the world. And uh, yet I watched him go up in tears on an altar call on a week of prayer. And it was confusing to me. I thought it was wonderful because, um, you know, I looked at it and I look back now from years ago, being so involved with homeschool um, in the Northwest and what, uh, how the Lord led in those things to bring us together as uh, the people I was with. But the learning process we all go through, and that's why you can't judge another person. Mm. You can see a person make 
stupid blunders and say, hey, not, not here, you know. And uh, it's just like downtown here. I'm thankful that they had some guys said, that's not here, no bricks and, and uh, rocks through our windows. That's why we're packing these fire sticks. <laughs> and uh, I'm thankful for people that stand up and carry out their rights. You know, God gives rights. And he knows that we have the right. I've just been reading a um, very interesting little thing here. And uh, the interesting thing of watching uh, um, the, the, in the book there, he, he's describing this thing that happened with, with um, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, hey, look, we're not bowing down to this idol. But that very king was so thrilled to have these guys in the positions they were because they were trustworthy. They, they understood a lot of logical things and they ran his government well and he was the leader of the world government at that time. But he had a selfish streak and it's either my way or the fiery furnace. <laughs> and anyway, I uh, I appreciate uh, Wayne and his wife writing the book, and I can't wait until it's out, been published. And uh, we just got started reading, and it, it's exciting. But a lot of things are like that in life. My mentor gave me a book one day, and it began to open my eyes to understanding of lifestyle. And then later years, and I'll have to tell that story one of these times, um, later years, if it hadn't been for him and those that he had and how he was treated when I got scarlet fever, if it hadn't been for that, I would never have raised my daughter or son. Never been able to. Just a short period. I would have died of the scarlet fever. And to have one of the top specialists in the disease sitting there, didn't know me from Adam, only knowing me from the special hospital that I was in and what was going on, testing me to try to find what was wrong. And he's the one that stood there and said, whatever you're doing, don't change it. You should be getting worse or you're not. We don't know why. And when I told him how I was treated, I said, well, I won't tell you who, but I will tell you how. He said, all I got to say is that man saved your life. If we would have got you in the hospital and given you one shot of antibiotic, we would have said you died from scarlet fever and it would not have been true at all. You just couldn't stand, your body could not stand the extra toxin and it would have killed you instantly, just within a few hours. Wow. So, you know, you look back and you say, why me? Why me? But... I look across the table and see two grandsons, and I say, they wouldn't have been here either. <laughs> and so, you know, I look at life 
is more than we sometimes look too short. Mm-hmm. And as sympathy thing, I think we sometimes look too short. We're looking, you know, at a self. Um, I think that's why the, uh, Lucifer, the light bearer, had the most powerful position in heaven uh, next to God himself, next to his throne. And uh, yet, he wanted the sympathy of the angels. And so he became not a light bearer, but Satan. And like the Bible says, he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And you know, killing and stealing and destroying is always not readily seen. You take a look at our society. They could be the sweetest person in the world. And they could be a huge mass murderer. After all, take a look at some of the um, people, the Hitlers, people that were like him. And you see, hey, how did he get in office? He was voted into office. How did he get there? Sweet, nice. Oh, yeah, he even gave money to people. Help mm-hmm. them out of their financial situations. Yeah. I, you know, I look at it and I say, those are the things that help me begin to understand because it's pretty hard to understand what God's trying to say to us. Yeah. Um, it's confusing. You know, I, I've tried to do this. I've tried to be good. You know, I'm not being counted. He said, well, I sure wish you could try to do what you're trying to do. Have you read the scripture and seen what it had to say on that point? And um, Jesus had a terrible time. He had to talk about even Sabbath keeping to the Jews. Hmm. And they wanted to hang him over it. And forgiveness and the man didn't care if he was healed. He just had been let down through the ceiling. He was nice to know. I can just see, hey, sometimes we have so much burden and we're carrying just to know it's forgiven. And I know my brother. Tell this little story. I ain't going to tell you why. Not a lot of my life was the best. And uh, I had long forgiven him. But on his deathbed, when I had to fly to California, and he didn't figure he was going to make it, there was a big bunch of people in the room, so there was no discussion going to take place. But he was tickled I was there. I went over to him, and first things out of his mouth, well, he said, first of all, good to see you. It's hard for him to breathe. And um, couldn't give up his cigarettes. And even though he already had disease with his lungs, he couldn't give it up. Anyway, he looked at me real seriously and he says, is everything okay? And he knew what he was asking. Will you forgive me? And I said, everything 
is absolutely fine. He didn't know I, through God's help, had dealt with those things. He just fell back in that bed, and I watched him relax. The rest of them in the room didn't know. There were a bunch of people there. But when my cousin's wife was taking me home the day after separate, another cousin taking me first to where I was staying at an aunt's. Um, anyway, she asked me several questions about the family. She wanted to know. And I said, yeah. She says, well, I've never really believed all the stories I heard. Because there's a lot of things just want to get covered up. She says, but I noticed Jimmy. When you talked to him, all of a sudden he fell back in his bed. He was all up anxious as much as he could trying to hear me. And... Uh, she said, I don't know what was going on between the two of you, but all of a sudden, I just seen he was totally relieved. I said, yes, he was. But I had been relieved of it a long time before. And he'd carried a terrible, terrible burden. So a lot of times we make terrible, terrible mistakes. And it affects our life all our life. But I look at it and I say, you know, when you look back and you look at some of these things and maybe some of these stories will help somebody. But you know, when we look at these things, there's something watching over us. And I'm glad to know today that it's God, that he's all powerful. And I'm quite willing that if I should die, it doesn't bother me because I know He's going to take care of you guys. He's going to take care of Grandma. I don't have to worry about him. He'll even take me care of the things I hit and <laughs> cause my problems. <laughs> uh, but I believe that there are many people that will be able to tell stories like that. And oh my, he's going to have many of them. He's a great storyteller in the first place. <laughs> But anyway, well, you yeah, can, you, I know you have to get going. You tell stories quite well yourself, Grandpa. No. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> yeah, I do have to get going. And I think that's probably a good stopping place right now. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you're, <laughs> we've been, you're, you're more than welcome. We've been talking about doing this. and. <laughs> well, it's, you know, once I get going, then all kinds of things pop in my mind. Right. And it goes all over the place. And, you know, I think that's true of all of us. Yeah. But one of my, I have to tell you this one last thing. I have tried to encourage, even Lance, when he was young, I would say I learned a lot from older people. I would seek them out. There would be a potluck or something going on, and there'd be some old person sitting over there, no, just vegetating, and I'd go over. And maybe their language wasn't perfect as far as maybe their minds weren't perfect. And I'd say, hey, tell me about your life. They'd have a hard time 
I'd say, what do you mean? They'd say, what do you mean by that? And so I'd say, well, you know, did you grow up? Uh, you know, I'd give it for instance or something. Oh, no, I didn't. I, and once they got started, they'd open up, and I learned so much mm. wisdom because mm. I'd find out where they made mistakes. And I'd say, yeah, I've been have, having that same issue. You know, I'd think to myself, and it just really is an eye-opener. And it, 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 it I, Lance would go with my, my grandmother and go and sit down with her and do that same thing because I talked him into it. Um, now, how we apply that and what we do with it, that's a big issue. If, we, if you don't learn from it, what good is it? You've, it, it was just a waste of time. Maybe you enjoyed the time because it was interesting at the moment. But if you learn from it, you say, well, and maybe you don't learn anything about it today, but you might think, oh, yeah. I've been with, oh, yeah, somebody told me, oh, yeah, they did this. In other words, how do you handle some things? Of course, I always love to find out things, too, and find out how they worked. And Grandma helped me there, because I was always trying to make something or fix something. And one day, she came in, and she said, my clock quit working. Fix it. I said, Grandma, I can't fix it. She said, just take it apart and fix it. I said, I'll probably ruin it. She said, it's ruined now, so, so what? Just go ahead and do it. And I said, ah, Grandma, I just don't want to do that. You know, we didn't want to break anything in Grandma's because that was something we cherished ourselves. And finally, she talked me into it. So I did. Believe it or not, actually, all I needed to do was clean things up and put it all back together. I had a little trouble figuring that out, but it bent back together and it ran. And you know what that did for me? Why not try? See, I would not have carried on. Why not try? As they say, something, well, it's broke. We, we can't do anything. We're out to buy a new one. Well, can we fix it? After all, some idiot made it. <laughs> and maybe, they're, maybe they just discovered that along the way. Well, Grandpa, you've given us so much advice over the years. I catch myself uh, even now telling Lexi, I need to run that by Grandpa. I, I've been thinking about this, and I need to run this by Grandpa. I need to run it by another head, and Grandpa's the one to run it by. So, oh, as you know. Oh, yeah, but I'm that's okay. I'm always coming to you with looking for advice for one thing or another because I know that you have sage advice, and I know that you have had the experience, uh, and, and uh, through, through those experiences, we can learn, right? Well, I think I think it's possible. The biggest thing is we can cause our own damage by not uh, picking up, and that's what I did learn. Yeah, yeah, very strongly that. Hey, why not ask a question? I've asked a question a dozen times, and you learn that by even trying to buy something. You say, "Well, should I get this or this?" I don't know enough about it to get it. Hmm. And you, what do you do? You you try to look up on the reviews. But sometimes you get real questions about the reviews. It's almost like, are these guys in it together, you know, right. type of deal. Yeah. Yet at the same time, when you get that feeling, 
it's amazing if you wait, mm. have patience, and then do a lo- different type of look or talk to somebody and they'll say, well, why don't you look up on this? And you say, oh, yeah. And you go look up on it and, oh, you got all kinds of things about it. And it just say, wow, why didn't I think of that? Well, that I just learned from somebody else again. And, it, and that's it's an ongoing thing. Can you imagine to have a being that is so tickled about what he can do? Just like I told Jeffrey years ago, I can remember telling him. I said, you know, you don't know what you could do. And I said, you know, you never know when God might be sitting up there and say, you know what? They're working so hard on trying to come up with an answer for it. I think I'm going to give them the answer nobody in the whole world has ever thought about. And so that little thing comes, and then they can work on it and see how to put it together. Mm. As I, the reason I say that is because I have seen that happen in my own experience. And then all of a sudden you say, where did I ever get that to begin with? To get me to change my direction and go that way. And let me tell you, I've, I've had that happen, and I was not following God. God but can, he was there doing that, showing me, showing me, look, I'm in control, and I can show you, you can grab on and expect something from me. God can choose us to be something so much more than we ever could be. Oh, yeah. And he can choose to show you specifically, or me, or Jeffrey, well, you take a look at, and we've got the stories, you take a look at, you know, at any of these individuals, whether whether uh, it was a, a a man that his brothers hated him, and so they sold him, and he ends up through a big mess, but he decided, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at it that way. I'm going to just put, be honest and play the game right. And stay with it, and I believe God's gonna got control. And then he ends up that gets messed up on, cheated on him, and he ends up in prison. And then he ends up, guess what? Ruler in the world. And so I look at those, and there's a lot of those you can look at, and I say that's nothing unusual. Yeah. And you're gonna find people you meet, and that's the way you're gonna find them. Anyway, well, all I know is uh, <laughs> people pay for life coaches, and we haven't paid you a dime, so we're getting we're getting out nicely. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, thank you. Anyway, the Lord yeah. bless you. Thank both. you.